I'm going to just go ahead and read verse 1 down through verse 11 and we'll, we'll pray. And I won't preach all that. Don't, don't get nervous, but, uh, but, but I want to help you. The Bible says this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what, the what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Notice this here. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And notice this phrase right here. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We're thankful to be in here. And Lord, just a great spirit in this place. Lord, thank you for the choir and the touch you had on them tonight. And Lord, we're just glad for you, Jesus. We're just glad that you came, Lord, and you saved us. And we appreciate you, Lord. And I pray if there's one here tonight that's never been born again, that doesn't know you in pardon and forgiveness of sins, Lord, I pray, oh, they'll call on you. You are wonderful, Lord. There's no doubt about that. And we need you tonight. I pray you just give me unction to preach for this little bit. Help us, we pray. We appreciate you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach on this thought tonight. Treasure in Jesus, treasure in Jesus. I, 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 I got this from an old preacher years ago. He read this, just a great man of God. But he read this from a Christmas card one time in a revival, and I, I've never forgot it when I thought about this. But he, he, he read it this, and he said, If our greatest need, if man's greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. If our greatest need was education, God would have sent us a scientist. But our greatest need was forgiveness of sin, so God sent us a Savior. And I'm thankful tonight for the Savior that he sent. And as we come to this passage, I thought, men throughout time have went to great lengths. They've endangered their lives, hazarded their lives, They've given their time and, and their life's goal to simply find treasure. There's a whole account, I'm not recommending them, but they're out there. There's a whole genre of films that are, 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 are made for someone pursuing after treasure. 
looking for that which is lost to be found. And I, I've, I've read documentaries. I, I watched one a while back here on YouTube, and this guy, some, some, some Indian man had told him about this treasure that was buried on this island off, off of California. And this man went, and literally he spent the rest of his life, he died on this island searching for that treasure that was there and never found it. And I think about all these things that how men will go to seek out treasure. How much more should you and I that have found the ultimate treasure, hey, how much more than you and I should give ourselves over to him? I'm talking about, friends, as we come to this account, there's a lot of things as we come in this account that I can't tell you. But look here, the account of the wise men. I know it's a familiar uh, passage. And I'm going to say something about the Word of God. Isn't this amazing? When we read this in Matthew, we never read of Jesus' lowly birth. You say, why? Because this is written about a king. I'm telling you, the Word of God's amazing. I mean, I just, I just learned that today, but I say praise God for it. It's wonderful. Uh, but thinking about this, as we come to this account we find here that these wise men were coming to see Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Savior of the world. And, 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 it, and it tells us some things about these men which we can apply to our lives and look in our lives, but it doesn't tell us everything. We can still glean and grow. I say we don't have to know everything about this account, but we can still find help from this account. Living today some 2,000 years, may I say we're 2,000 years past this, but he ain't changed not one bit. He's, just, he's more valuable than he's ever been. I'm telling you, if you're here tonight, you've never been saved, you ought to get saved tonight. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures and was buried and on the third day rose again. It's the greatest treasure man will ever find is the treasure of salvation, the treasure of Jesus himself. We were created for him. Revelation chapter number 4, last verse in there. I think it's number 12. For, for all things were created by him and created for his pleasure. We were created to please him. But think about this. I'm going to try to stay. I'm just, I feel so good right now. I could just shout all over this place. But I just want to praise. He's good tonight. He's good to us. Now look, here's some things we don't know. We don't know how many were there. Now I know that we normally hear three. And that's probably attributed that there was three types of gifts that were given. But may I say, it doesn't, the Scripture doesn't tell us specifically how many there were. And honestly, if you look here how it got people stirred up, I reckon there's probably more than three that showed up. I mean, not only did Herod get all upset, but all of Jerusalem got in a stir over this. Can you imagine the scene coming into this city and, and, and it stirred them all up? We don't know that specifically. Think about this. The scripture says they've came from the east. Now I've read after different commentators and things and there's various opinions on where they came from but here's what I know, it was east of Jerusalem. That's all I know. We don't even know their names. They were called wise men because that comes from the Greek word magi, which, which is a reference to general wisdom. Some say they were scientists, things like that. Some say they were royalty, but we don't even know these men's names. We don't even know the exact age of Jesus when he came. We don't know. He was a young child. We know that the scripture tells us. I know it's portrayed in the thing, but they weren't there the night that he was born. Uh, that, that's, not, that's not accurate. Now, I mean, I don't, I don't knock it, but I mean, we got a nativity at home and it comes with the wise men and we'll set it out there. But I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, they did come. They just weren't there the night he was born. 
And they came when he was still a young child, maybe two years old, around there, somewhere in there. But there's a lot of things we don't know. But here's what we do know. He's worth treasuring. And these men, as we look at them, just a few things that I believe we already are doing that we could do more of and, if, and we need to make sure we continue to do till he comes is, is we don't exactly know a lot of things, but these men we know treasure Jesus. And may I say, what a treasure is he. I'm talking about what a value. The Bible tells us over in 2 Corinthians 9 and 15, it says, And thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Can I say something to you tonight? We will spend eternity with every... I mean, I don't know if we'll speak English, if we'll speak Hebrew. I don't know what language we'll speak here, but I'll know what it is, and I'll say it'll be the first time in my life I'll ever pronounce something correctly all the time. Thank God for a perfect salvation. It'll help my grammar. Praise God. I don't know what language we'll speak, but let me say something to you. There won't be enough adjectives in it. There won't be enough things that we can say for eternity. We will praise Him. We will adore Him. We will worship Him. And just when we think we get there, we'll find out eternity keeps on going on. we got much more to do. We can never... When it says unspeakable gift, it doesn't mean we can't say anything about it. It means there's not enough that you and I can say about Jesus. He's wonderful. As the song sung, he's wonderful. But I want to look at these three, look at these men here and look at three things in their lives I believe we can pull and apply to ours and keep doing in ours. The first thing is I want you to see their hunger to worship. Now as they come on the scene here, we don't know anything about their past. We don't even know where they come from except from the east, but they come to the scene and they show up in Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting. Uh, now, listen, they didn't immediately show up in Bethlehem. They showed up in Jerusalem, and I, I like this. One, one commentator said, well, you say, well, why did they show up in Jerusalem? Well, they expected a king to be there. May I say, he's going to reign there one day. He's going to reign on the throne in Jerusalem. Man, there is a king there. But, but, but what we see, they came from the east uh, to Jerusalem. But what we can see in this passage of Scripture is we can see a hunger or desire in their actions to treasure Jesus. I'm talking about, I don't know the distance uh, from where they came to the east, but here's what I know. They came to Jerusalem, and then they went on to Bethlehem, which is about a seven-mile journey, if I understand it correctly. But what they did was they made an effort to worship him. There's a hunger there. You, th you think about this. Think about just heading out. I'm not talking about getting on the interstate. I mean, that makes me nervous enough getting on the interstate and heading to a place I've never been. You know, people don't breathe in my car until we get settled into the destination. I can't imagine settling out on a, on a camel or a donkey with, and listen to me, and carrying treasures, carrying valuables, and heading out to a place we have no idea if they've never been there. I don't know if they headed in the daytime, they headed in the night, but they headed out to a city they'd never been. And, and I think about all of the effort that they made. They could have traveled hundreds of miles for all that we know. But we, we do know this, they came. I'm unsure of the distance, but here's what I'm sure of. I'm sure of their desire. May I say something to you? If we're treasuring him, we, we, listen to me, the desire will be apparent in our life. We ought to see, think about how wonderful that he is, how much that we ought to have a hunger to want to see him out. This is what they did. They went to this place. They sought him out and, and desired that they could worship him. That was their purpose. When they showed up, they, they said, hey, where is he, king of the Jews? I'm going to talk about that in a second, but notice they stated their purpose. They said, we've seen his star. May I say, it's all about him. All this is about him. But he said, we are come to worship him. Their hearts were hungry. 
Their hearts were desirous to worship the King, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say we can grab that from them. We ought to have that. And we do got that here. I think it was good in here tonight. Y'all, praise God it was good in here tonight. But listen, we ought to desire him. I think this is interesting. We're not talking about the Jews here. We're talking about people that were outside of the province of God. Outside Gentiles like you and I. Think we ought to just shout right there for a second. You don't even have to know what a Gentile is, but just know this. We're getting in because of what Jesus done for us at Calvary. Praise God for that. But they called him king of the Jews. So why is that interesting? Well, they're not Jews. They didn't even have the oracles of the word of God. But somewhere in a far country, in a far land, someone talked about a king that was to be born. One that was the ancient of the days. One that was everlasting to everlasting. One that was going to come and be the king and the savior of the world. And may I say that that got in their heart. The scripture got in their heart. They sought him out from the scripture. They didn't know everything about him. But what they heard from the word of God by the word of mouth of someone. You think about all the trade and things come through. It's amazing. Can I say something to you? I believe with all my heart. Anybody wanting to get saved, God will get them to the place where they can get saved. And these men, they may not know very much about anything, but you can see the hand of God moving to get them right where the treasure was, right where the Savior was. And listen, I'm telling you, friends, they sought him out from the Scripture. Listen, we ought to have a desire to know more about him. They weren't just satisfied, although it's an amazing thing to call him the king of the Jews because that he is. But can I say, he's even more than the king of the Jews. The Bible tells us if you'll keep reading, that he's the king of kings and the lord of lords I'm telling you we ought to seek him out to know him more to know more about him that's what they did here they were hungered after they heard some scripture about him they said we got to know this one think about this their desire was they did not allow it to be quenched or turned off or to be put out. Think about this. They, they continued to seek him. They came to Jerusalem. And when they got to Jerusalem, it's amazing how they run into probably the worst character you could run into. The man probably farthest from God in the place of Jerusalem was Herod himself. The man was a wicked man. Let me say something to you. Hey, Christ died for him just like he did us. But they ran into Herod. And they were looking for him. And, and, and think about this, Herod, Herod even knew this. Herod didn't know the answer, but he knew where he could find the answer to the one that was going to be born. They said, well, where is he? And they, they, he's trying to play this off, but I want you to think about this for a second. When they got there, they, they, they come to Herod. They could have just said, Herod, Herod could have said, no, nah, we don't know or I don't know, but here's what they did. They didn't stop. They didn't give up. They didn't say, well, we came to Jerusalem. Well, I came to church Sunday morning. That's enough. I was there Wednesday night. They said, where is he? Let me say something to you. They didn't travel all that way to get to Jerusalem to not find him. They weren't going to allow the circumstances or the things they run into. And I mean, I say something, we'll see the sovereign hand of God here in a second in the, operating in this. They, 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 they weren't going to allow the, the desire that they had to worship him be quenched, to be put out, to be turned away. Can I say something to you? We ought not either. 
We're not, we're not, we may run into, listen, they come in this amazing, I was going to say something about this later, but they come into a place that weren't even interested. The Jews knew where he would be born. Why weren't they there? Oh, he could have been there for two years already and not, not near one of them that we know of even went to visit him up in Bethlehem. They wouldn't even travel seven miles and we got men coming from maybe halfway across the world to worship him and in their own backyard. Can I say something to you? We can't let what others aren't doing keep us from doing what we, what we should be doing. I mean, we ought to worship him. Hey, read, hey, if America wants to go that way, if they want to turn and go the way of the devil, go the way uh, against the word of God, let me say something to you. We better keep worshiping. We better seek out to not allow the coldness. Hey, the love of many wax cold. We're living in days where it's t- perilous times are here. We could let, give all the excuses we want to. We better keep treasuring him. We better treasure him. We better seek to worship him. We better not allow the people that we run into. Herod wasn't interested in Jesus. He just wanted to continue to be king. That's all he cared about here. He was trying to pull away, and he tried. He eventually got rid of all kinds of children. He never got the one. Can I say God's in total control, by the way? Don't forget that. But we ought to treasure him. They didn't give up. I see that desire, that hunger. They kept looking. I May mean, I say something to you? If we'll keep desire and hunger, God will help us. You say, what happened? Well, they were sitting there and they said, well, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, when they left, God said, he's right here. God with his big old finger, his star. He pointed their eyes right to that star and he said, right there. I'm talking about, friends, listen to me. If we'll, get, hey, if we'll seek him, we'll find him. If, we, we, if we'll have our desire towards him, he's going to help us. He'll strengthen us. And that's what he did right here. He sovereignly pointed them in the right. And when they saw the star, they got, they got happy. But I don't have a hanky. If I did, I'd get it out and throw it all over this place right now. I'm talking about they got it out and they started rejoicing. You know why? Because they knew that they would find him. Hey, that's the way we ought to be. Can I say there ought to be joy? There is joy in seeking Jesus. Seeking to get closer in our walk with the Lord. Now listen to me. God didn't save us to sit in these pews. He didn't save us to put money in the offering plate. Now, these are things that we do, but that's not the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation was that you and I could have a relationship with Almighty God. Our sins had separated us from God, but through what Jesus did at Calvary in him shedding his blood and dying and raising again the third day, hey, paying the penalty for our sins, you and I can have a relationship with God. That's what God brought us here. Listen, why you see what is so important here, Jesus came so you and I could have that relationship with him. God treasures a relationship with you. Isn't that amazing? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's just one, by the way. But I want you to think about this. That only begotten son was not only the best, but it was the only one that could do the job. You say, well, well, what does that matter? Can I say something? That's how much God loves you, that he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son that you and him could have a relationship. How much should we treasure him? Their desires. These men had right desires. I wrote this study out of a, well, I got like 19 Bibles there in my office, but the one I used to preach out of was falling apart. I had this note written by this verse, and I thought about this question, I just wrote it down here tonight, and I said, how far are you willing to go to worship? Think about these men. Could have been deterred, could have gave up. But they said, we, they said, we got to get there. 
There was, they treasured that. They were willing to, to give all they had. They, there was not a promise they'd make it back home. Think about that. For who? For Jesus. We ought to treasure him, church. And I know you do, so don't take me negatively. But I'm telling you what, this, I mean, we ought to be stirred up about him. Notice this. They get, they get there. We see the hunger to worship. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And notice this phrase, and fell down. They were humbled by his worth. I thought about another time that men fell down. And I thought about another time when men will fall down. If you read over in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is in the garden and, uh, and Judas comes with the band of, you know, to, to arrest him. And, they, and Judas said, now listen, the one that I kissed, that he's going to be the one. But, but they, said, well, they said, well, which one used him? Which one used Jesus? And Jesus said, I am he. And the Bible said every single one of them fell backward to the ground. And then I read another scripture that says, I'm going to just read it so I don't, I don't misquote it. Over in Philippians, talking about another time when men shall fall down. And it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. You say, what's happening there? Men's going to fall. But can I say something to you? We ought to just fall now. It's better to fall now than to fall later. But let me say something to you. You don't have to, God's, isn't it amazing? I just, stop for a second, just time out on this. I'm going to give a parenthetical statement. It's an amazing thing that God has allowed man to choose what he will do with God. That is, what is your life? Now, we don't control all aspects of our life. You didn't control when you was born. You don't control when you die. But you're going to control where you spend forever and who you'll spend forever. We look at it as heaven and hell, but can I say something to you? Really, it's this. It's without Christ or with Christ. Hell will be terrible, but the worst part of hell is not all the torment. It's that God's not there. Eternity without God is torment. That's the worst part of hell. Now, all them other things are punishment for our sins. But, the, but I'm telling you, it, it's not whether we go to heaven or hell. And I know we portray it that way, and that's not wrong. But what I'm trying to grasp is, listen, you know what's going to make heaven heaven? It ain't just streets of gold. Hey, listen, uh, it ain't in the street of gold. It ain't the what, walls of jasper, the gates of pearl. It ain't the 12 foundations of the stone of all them things I can't pronounce when I read down through there, but they're all pretty. They're different colors. It ain't those things. It ain't the, the, the clear crystal water. Let me tell you what makes eternity what's going to be wonderful it's that Jesus is going to be there all those other things are just going to be highlighted from his light and his glory it's in his presence is the fullness of joy it's in here when we wake up with him we'll be satisfied that's what the psalmist says listen it's Jesus but I'm talking about they just came and they fell down now to, to, to explain this and I'm not going to stay here long but the physical posture that they exhibited here is a picture of the humble heart. And may I say, they were humbled by his worth. And, and the natural man, who you and I are, born, the nature that we have, one of the things that if you go back to Genesis chapter number 3, one of the things that the devil tempted Eve with is he said, you should be like God's. 
That's pride. One of the three areas, you can go to 1 John and read it yourself, but one of the three areas, uh, listen, all temptations fall into three areas, and one of them is the pride of life. We're naturally about ourselves. You don't have to build that into a kid. It's birthed into their nature that we get. I mean, they're just about ourselves. We do things that are better for ourselves. That's, that's what we do. But can I say, humility is the opposite of that. It's, it's the opposite of pride and boasting. You know what real humility is? It's a proper view of yourself in the sight of God. Really, when someone's prideful, they're no bigger. They just have the, they have the scope flipped around the wrong way, and they look bigger and appear bigger to themselves than they really are. You know that little uh, thing, I don't know if it's still on the side view mirror. It used to be on the cars that, that on the side view mirror it'd say things may appear larger than they really are. Well, a lot of people have been looking in that mirror too long. Let me say something to you. It ain't that they're any better or anything like that. They just have the wrong perception of who they are. That's what pride does. It puffs a man up, makes him think he's bigger than himself. But we see here that humility, when they saw him, they saw his worth. You know why we humble ourselves before God? Because he's worthy. Oh, praise God, he's worthy. And may I say, as believers, we are to be humble. It's a character. Not, I mean, I go back to Philippians 2. I'm not going to, but if you read there, Jesus humbled himself. He wasn't any less God. He just, uh, he just held back the glory that he had. If he wouldn't, if he couldn't have walked anywhere. It, I mean, he'd outshine the sun all the, all the way around. Listen, he, he humbled himself. He, he was still God. He was still 100% man. I can't explain that, but that's what the Bible teaches us. But you know what he did? He came down here, took on the form of a servant. He, he, he was no less God, but he made himself that he could be and die in our place. Wow. And he's called us, let me say, we're to be conformed to the image of his dear son. We're to be humble, 1 Peter 5 and 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, elder. Yea, and all be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Colossians 3 and 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind. Can I say, when we are right with God, our hearts will be humble. That's just all there is to it. And, and listen, we can... You can bow down, but not have your heart bowed down. But if your heart's bowed down, your life will be too. I hope that made sense. I can't, I can, you can, everybody else can see it, but that don't mean it is. But if it is here, you'll see it and it'll be exhibited in the life. But God sees the heart. But let me say something to you. If we treasure him, we'll have no problem being humble. If we make him, and he is it, but if we just treasure him and, and all that he's worth, we'll humble ourselves before him. Humility is a requirement of being in the will of God, serving the Lord. We've got to be humble. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. I'm almost done right here. I, and I, I don't even know if I've preached 30 minutes. Y'all been praying all day, ain't you? Give you some gifts here in, in December. But I want you to think about this. This is the main part of it. Notice this. They honored his worth. This phrase right here, just, man, it got me. After they had bowed down, and maybe they stayed bowed down, doesn't say they got up. They opened their treasures. 
Can you imagine the scene? I can just think about my mind. These, these men who had treasures. I don't know what I don't know the mon- none of that really matters, the monetary value or how much they gave, but here's what I know. What they had, and it may have been less, may I say something to you? It don't have to be more than somebody else, because listen, that widow uh, that gave the last two mites, there was many throwing in way more monetary value, but hey, Jesus said she gave it all. So that part don't necessarily matter, but it matters if we'll give our all here. But you know what they did? I just in my mind, can you them humbled down before him? He's not even on the throne yet. Just a young child. And literally, I can just see them in my mind opening up the treasure boxes and presenting that to Christ. And in these treasures, what's particular about these treasures is they honor him in particular ways. And, and I think about this. This may be what each one had. I don't know how it worked out, but when they left... They brought a treasure, and maybe they all brought part of it, I don't know, but they purposed to bring particular things. The gifts were brought, and what they do is they picture Christ. Listen to me. He's all over every page of this book. I mean, every law, every ceremony, everything in the Old Testament is just a great big, I'm going to get one about two, I, one day I'm going to get one. It's going to be four foot, I'm going to bring it up in the pulpit. I'm going to bring it up here, a big foam finger. And it's literally just going to point and say, it's him. He's the one. He's, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. I, I don't even need to write it. That's what it is. It's telling us about Jesus. And, and you know what eternity will be? We'll, listen, he never has to die again for our sin. He did that one time. But they'll, listen, they'll have offerings and things. They'll be, you say, why are they going to do that? What, what's the purpose of it? Because they're going to look back and forever and forever. We'll look back and we'll say, it's him. He's the one. He did it all. That's what we'll do. We're just going to be pointing him. The Old Testament looks ahead. The New Testament will point to what he's already done. And forever we'll try treasure the king of kings and the lord of lords but they brought gold gold is a gift that's fit for a king it pictures christ being the king not only of the jews but praise god king of kings and lord of lords Uh, i don't know that they knew this but god knew this and that's really what matters right here listen he knows everything but notice this then they brought that frankincense i like this in two ways Frankincense was used in the Old Testament. I believe, I didn't look this up, so I'll have to look up afterwards, but I think it was used in the oil that was for the uh, lamp. I think that was one of the five things. There was a couple words I can't pronounce. One of them was gum and, and different things, but go back there and check me out. But anyways, I know that it was used in the Old Testament in the temple and the tabernacle. It was used in the worship by the priest. So we could say two things. This frankincense could be a picture of Christ, our great high priest. I'm glad for Hebrews chapter number 4. Seeing them, we have a great high priest. Thank God for that. I'm glad for that. Listen, we we could see it that way, or we could also take it in the same way, and I don't think it's wrong in this, but that frankincense could also picture him and his deity because all of that frankincense and those things going up was the worship of the Lord. But either way you look at it, he is God and he's our great high priest. We ought to thank God for that. But it honored him. But look at this, that myrrh. Myrrh was used with death. What a strange gift. But it wasn't strange. I mean, normally when someone's born, you don't, you know, bring things you would use when they're, de- when they're dying. But myrrh was associated with Christ's death. And may I say, Jesus came here to die. When he stood before Pilate, and testified 
For this end was I born. May I say he came to give salvation. That's glory to God. He came so you and I could live and have eternal life. I'm glad, listen, I'm glad I got eternal life tonight. This is the whole reason we find this young child. You say, why is he here? He's here because you and I needed a Savior. You and I had a problem we could never fix. We had a nature we could never get rid of. We owed a penalty before God we could never erase. But God sent his only begotten son and he came down here and he died and he shed his precious perfect blood as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He hung on the cross. He was beaten and battered. He got the worst of man and then he then God rolled back the curtain. He brought the curtain down and he suffered eternity for you and I. All that we could be, be saved and go to heaven and have eternal life. His whole life was right here. And you know what they were bringing this? They honored the purpose that the Savior came. They honored him as Lord. They honored him as Savior. And they placed great value in Jesus. And may I say something to you tonight, church? Keep treasuring him. Let's not lose the desire. Listen, I don't know what's ahead. You don't either. We don't know what's ahead. We didn't know what was ahead four or five years ago, did we? I mean, look at, look at, four, like, I, I mean, you know, all of a sudden in, 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 in an instant things can change. The whole world can be turned upside down. But we ought not lose the desire. You know what's a great testimony to the church is? You know what we could have done? Now listen, I'm not saying negative anything about any other churches. I'm talking about us right here. Not everybody had a four. One, we see the sovereign hand of God that helped us continue to have a desire. You say, why is that? Because there's a bunch of concrete up there on a top lot. That was one of the last things that was decided, I think, to do. But they said, let's go ahead and just do it. We don't even use it but for dinners. Let me say something to you. If, if all we ever used it for, it's paid for itself. But do you know what that was? It wasn't a star in the sky, but it was the sovereign hand of God knowing that there's a group down here in Dunbar that still wants to worship me. You know he's seeking out people to worship him. Go to John chapter number 4. He's seeking out those that will worship him. May I say, he saw a desire. Now, I know it wasn't perfect. My, how many times did the horn go off in my car? I'm talking about, I know it, it wasn't always easy. The temperature was hot. I mean, it, there was a lot of things that may not have been perfect, but there was a desire there that God was willing to help keep going. Yes, we met for a couple months, but we ought to praise God. He'll help us keep the desire. I don't know what's on the tomorrow. I don't know what's on the next week but I know this we want to protect our desire we want to continue to treasure him till he comes there's sovereignty in this thing listen these men came from a far place to worship the Savior and God helped them get there God helped them worship him and God will help us do the same come on Judy I'm, I'm tying this up we got to treasure him Continue, church, continue to keep your desire. Keep yourself stirred. They were, you know why they were stirred? Somebody shared the scripture with them, Tom. Can I say something to you? If you're losing the desire to worship, how's your Bible? Is it open? Is it being read? Is it given time to? I'm telling you something. This right here provides desire. 
And when you get saved, you get a, you get a desire. As, as, as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the Word. That's over in Peter. I mean, when you get saved, there's a desire. I, I, I mean, I, I remember when I, got, when I got right with the Lord, here's what I did, Don. And I've been in church all my life. I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you. I got right with the Lord. I had a desire to read the Bible. So I opened up my Bible and found every single one that just had one chapter. Now, I, I, now if I'd tell people, I'd tell them to read the Gospel of John. That's where I'd tell them to start. But I just knew I, I wanted to read it, and I thought, well, man, this one's short right here. Let me go to 2 John and 3 John. It got 13. I started there. But I'm telling you, the more that I read, I started getting to those other books. And I'm talking about it created a desire. Listen to me. God will help us keep a desire, but we ought to also cultivate a little bit. We got to work at it a little bit. We ought see him as the most, in, he is, whether we see it or not, but I mean, if we'll just remember what he's done for us, take a quick, fresh look back to Calvary, all we can do is treasure him, and we ought to do that, we ought to treasure, have that desire, but also that attitude. They humbled themselves. Listen to me, stay humble. You want help in this thing, stay humble. Pride, when a man think he standeth, lest he fall. Let me say something to you. There is no place in your life that is ever safe if you got pride in there. God will humble you or let you fall over yourself. Stay humble. You know how we stay humble? Stay in the scriptures. Keep a right perspective. That's all it is. The devil's really good of using it in certain ways. God will use you for something. One of the greatest, I don't, Tom, you may face this. It ain't always that sometimes the dumb things that I've said that I've went home and cried about and wish I would have never said that from the pulpit because it sounded silly, messed up my words or something. I've done that buku at times, okay? I could write a book on it. Some of the most dangerous moments that I've had, Tom, is when I've walked out of that pulpit and the devil's walked there beside me and said, Man, you knocked her out tonight. Church, you're doing good. There's nothing wrong with encouragement, so stay with me for a second. But one of the greatest things that we can find, the dangers that we face is, is thinking we can do this thing without him. I don't care how much you study. I don't care how, how intelligent you are. I don't care how many workers we got. Let me say something to you, church. We can't do nothing without Jesus. And we need to continue to, the, our greatest strength is staying down on our knees, staying in the right, proper position. I believe God has a lot of things for us here, but if we're going to see Him get done, we're going to see Him down, prostrate before His face, seeking His hand and His help in this thing. They humbled themselves. They had the right attitude in worship. And if we have the right attitude, I ain't got to preach about actions. Our hearts will stay in a place of seeking Him, treasuring Him. Our actions will follow. We won't have to pump up. We won't have to do all these things. We won't have to, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying we won't have to, to do a lot of the things we're doing if we'll just have the right attitude. 2,000 years later, I don't know these men. Don't know the history. Nobody does. But I know this. They were wise in seeking Christ. And I'm going to take it from someone else that's already had this before me, but wise men still seek Christ. The wisest thing we can do is continue 
to treasure our Savior. Let's bow our heads tonight.